Welcome to the Curling for Change podcast. My name is Will Robertson, and I will be your host for this limited series. Brought to you by Curling Canada and sponsored by the World Curling Federation. Without further ado, let's get right into today's discussion. Welcome to the Curling for Change podcast, uh, hosted by Curling Canada and sponsored by the World Curling Federation. My name is Will Robertson. I'm joined with some fantastic people today who are all recipients of Curling Canada's All Heart Curling Award, um, an award that's been started in the last year and is going to carry forward into this year. Application period is open for those youth curlers who are interested. Um, You'll notice we are all young. Um, You can go and apply, it is open. And it provides funds for diversity and inclusion programs in your community with your curling club. So it provides uh, an amount of money for the curler themselves to help develop their program and help with their costs for both the season, school, whatever it may be, but also helping uh, the club with the cost in enacting their program as well. So what we're going to do is we're going to learn a little bit about everyone here. We're going to little, learn a little bit about who they are, what they've been up to from all corners of the country and from their programs. I'm super excited for this conversation. It is also our first episode of an eight-part limited series. So please do stick with us if you enjoy. Do share with your friends if you so choose. And we'd really appreciate it. So without further ado, we're going to get into this conversation I'm going to have everybody introduce themselves first. Um, so, Satay, let's start with you. Um, so, hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Satay Penny. Uh, I'm from Porto Coast, St. Phillips. It's a town just out of St. John's, Newfoundland, Labrador. Uh, I've been curling for 11 years now, and next season will be my 12th season curling. So that's something about me. Fantastic. Luke, over to you. All right. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Luke Robbins. I'm 18 years old. I'm from Winnipeg, Manitoba, and this upcoming season is going to be my 11th season curling. All right. Thank you. Welcome, Kamran. Go ahead. Hi, everyone. My name is Kamran. You can call me Kam. I am a Bachelor of Health Science student at Queen's University, and I am also from Kingston, Ontario. I've been curling off and on uh, non-consecutively for around 13 years. Fantastic. I can hear people already at home going, how have you curled for this long? Um, So without further ado, let's get right into some of our questions today. I know you guys are all eager to get going, as am I. Um, So just first, let's like talk a little bit about what led you to apply for the All Heart Award. Um, Some of these application processes seem really difficult, seem really tricky for people. So just talk a bit about, um, like, why why did you apply for the All Heart Award? Um, Luke, do you want to start? Yeah, for sure. So uh, just to give a little background, I'm a very proud Ukrainian-Canadian. I've been taking part in the Ukrainian community ever since I was around three years old. And after hearing and seeing everything that happened uh, last February, being at a curling event when it happened, um, it sort of gave me a little connection to want to be to be the best person I can be for others, which is what allowed me to develop and create a program that would introduce curling to Ukrainian newcomers to Canada. So without the help of the uh, All Heart Award, none of this would have been possible. I wouldn't have been able to put on my sessions. I wouldn't have been able to um, build connections with so many different people. And it just sort of like the All Heart Award was sort of a kickstart for everything that I was able to do for that, for my program. What 
Okay, great. That's that's super interesting. I think, you know, that that goes to a piece of why it's important to you as well, right? Whenever we have a, a personal attachment to some of the work that we want to do, that's always a kind of driver. And I know it has been for, for me as well. Um, Sate, do you want to go ahead? Sure. So um, one of the reasons why I applied for the award was so like, most of people know, like, obviously, I'm black. So a lot of people, you don't see a lot of black people curling and stuff. So with this award, I was able to uh, include a lot more, like people seeing me were able to think, oh my goodness, like I can do this as well. So it was like just helping them see it's not just a white person sport in general. So like anybody can play the sport. And so the award helped me be able to create a program to have more diversity into the current club and stuff. So, yeah. For sure. Thank you for that, Conrad. What, do you, what led you to apply for it? Yeah, so as, as you all can see, I'm a racialized individual. And uh, throughout my junior curling career, I have been one of the only racialized individuals in curling facilities at tournaments, you name it. Uh, there's only a handful of us in Ontario. Um, and that sort of drove why I wanted to apply for the All Heart Award and that I wanted to create some sort of program to uh, increase the representation of racialized individuals in curling and and the reason why I created the program was was really because of of my experience being one of the only racialized individuals in the sport knowing that there's there's room for for growth in in certain demographics yeah for sure thank you and I know from from an outside perspective as well that you know trying to get diverse communities, but also racialized communities involved in curling is something that we really have to work very hard on. I know, you know, as all of you have curled in junior curling, you know, seeing more racialized people in the sport is something that's only come on very recently for a long, 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 long time. Um, as, you, as you both spoke to, don't see a lot of folks in, in the sport. Maybe we need to think a little bit more about how we can do that. And I'm, I'm really excited to learn more about how you guys have done that. Um, so the All Heart Curling Award for people who don't know, does include in its application the need for an action plan. So when you apply to the award, uh, which I hope some of the young people listening will, um, you need to kind of outline you know, what you're going to do with your curling club. What are you gonna do in your community to achieve the goals you've set out to improve diversity and equity and inclusion um, in your community and in your club? So um, Cameron, do you wanna start and, and kind of continue and tell us a little bit about what was in your action plan? Yeah. So. I'll start off with a brief summary of, of the, what I proposed and then again to more specifics. But in, in sum, in general, my program was a learn to curl program introducing racialized adults uh, to the sport. But the, the long story is that uh, this program was inspired by a similar program that was run at Cataract Way Golf and Country Club, which is my home club, uh, which was uh, run or started by my mom uh, with funding from Curling Canada. And I was an instructor in this program. And this program was a program for black, indigenous and racialized youth, introducing them how to curl. And it was a learn to curl program that was run every second Sunday. And it's been going on for the past two years. And what we noticed in, in that program was that in addition to uh, interest from racialized youth, there was also a large interest from their parents who are adults who sign them up from the program and they expressed interest in trying out the sport for themselves. So that 
information coupled with my experience being one of the only racialized individuals in the sport, as well as uh, just seeing the need to increase diversity, inclusion, and curling led me to, to pitch my program for racialized adults. Yeah, interesting. And it's interesting to think about the dynamic of if you're able to bring adults into the curling community from a racialized community, you're also able to bring youth in as well. That's That's an intriguing one to kind of think about. And one we may dive a little more deeply into, Luke, what, what was your action plan inclusive of? Um, the biggest thing about my inclusivity plan was definitely about creating a welcoming environment for everybody else partaking, obviously fleeing a war zone and everything like that. It's awful and brutal circumstances. So the main pitch I had in mind was to create a very positive environment for everybody. So I originally started out creating about I think I started out in my plan when I submitted my application. I think I had around five session dates where each session would take on a particular aspect. So first would be like, this is how you move along the ice. This is like the terminology and all that stuff all the way up until the point where we're able to have like a full on game. So that was like the sort of first idea I had. And I eventually cut it down to a couple session dates where we just like packed everything and as much as we could into the two and two and a bit hours before everybody got too cold and went inside. But it was just the idea of being able to create the positive environment for everybody that was taking part and knowing that like Manitoba alone has one of the highest uh, Ukrainian Canadian population per capita. Um, so knowing that in Manitoba, it's a very friendly and welcoming environment, especially for Ukrainians and be by being able to create the plan and become more inclusive and positive towards Ukrainians was something that will help me really become successful with it and as well, which allowed me to receive a lot of support from my curling club. Yeah, that's 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 fantastic. I want to come back to a piece of that in terms of the, the kind of welcoming part that we, we kind of all have seen in our own programs, but also worry about, I think, a little bit about, okay, I'm going to create this program for, for whichever community with, with whichever focus, but worry a little bit about how how welcome are people going to feel, or how can I how can I make folks feel more welcome in my curling community and in my curling club? And I might dive into that a little bit. Um, so, Tay, what, what what did your plan include? Uh, my plan uh, is kind of similar to Luke's and stuff uh, about like giving that like welcoming energy to everybody. Um, so for my plan, I basically had like one day. I had three hours basically just introduction of curling, just teaching everybody the basics of curling and then having Brad come in, like Brad Gucci come in and just talk with them for a bit. And for like on the ice and stuff, we had like one-on-one -on -one with people because a lot of like the people that I had come in for the program, like didn't have good English. So having one-on-one -on -one was like a lot easier for everybody so they could have a better understanding what was like how to play the sport and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, so you mentioned Brad Gushu helped out a little bit. Was, was he supportive of your plan? Did he, was he able to kind of help you through that a bit or, or, or did he kind of buy into it or? Uh, he was actually very supportive of my plan. Uh, he came in and he spoke to everybody because, so we had three hours. So like for like the first bit, we went, out, we were on the ice. Then we came back inside, had food. And then he came up and like, just spoke about curling and his experiences in curling and how he got into it. And then he spoke with a few of the kids that were there as well. So just building connections and stuff. That was nice. No, that's, that's really kind of him. And also really great to have, have that resource available to you and, and buy into part of your plan. 
Um, I, I just wanted to ask a bit about like, were, were any of you worried about people actually buying into what you were doing? You know, what, were you worried about people feeling welcomed into like these activities that you had planned so much and had worked so hard on, you know, could you speak to a bit of, of that anxiety or, or, or if you thought it would succeed? Cameron, I, I could see you kind of engage in, in what I was saying there. Did, did you want to, did you want to start? Yeah, I, I think there, there's two parts to this answer. The first part is that uh, there's always going to be a pushback or um, a lack of engagement or a lack of a buy-in from individuals when you're introducing a new program that uh, they may not be familiar with or comfortable with. And I think all of us here probably experienced that to some extent in our program. But I think the most important thing is, is that so long as we accomplished our goals with the program and that in, in my case uh, specifically, so long as the uh, racialized adults who uh, I introduced to curling had a great experience, um, felt welcome in the curling facility and were introduced to the sport and felt like they could play that with, with their kids and their families and their friends, then I think the program was, was a success regardless of, of if there was buying or not from other individuals. No, I, I think that's, that's a great point to make as well. Uh, Luke, did you want to build off of that a little? Yeah, for sure. Like, I think one of the biggest things that went on with these programs, I think with, with anybody that was running these programs was definitely creating like good connections with others. And for, in my case, one of the biggest issues with that was probably the language barrier because obviously Ukrainian and English nowhere near similar in terms of language. So what, what I had happen was I got my grandma who is fluent in Ukrainian to come out and she pretty much was a translator for all of our sessions, helping, helping she, and she never had tried curling. She's never really done it except for coming out to watch me play in a few bond spiels but having her there was something that really helped not like what I said earlier about creating the positive environment it made everybody feel welcome and that they were in a safe spite a safe space which is what um I don't know how to word it but it put a lot of smiles on people's faces which was nice to see such a welcoming environment for them yeah, and, and I think it's super important to have that element of comfort for folks who are kind of you know, new to the curling or who are new to the curling club. Like if we're trying to welcome people into our, our sport and into our community, well, you have to find a, a tether for them to latch on to, right? Of whether it's it's your grandmother in that language connection and that culture connection to kind of make someone feel a little more at ease in trying something new or in being in a different space that they may not feel comfortable in or you know, stay whether it's Brad, for example, someone everybody knows coming in and being a bit of a conduit for for taking some of the pressure off of, you know, not remembering like, oh, wait a minute, I'm part of this program kind of thing, or I'm part of this event. It's, oh, no, there's Brad. Wow. How, how cool is this? And some of that focus changes and, and some of that, you know, whether again, it's, it could be language, it could be a space, it could be, um, so for some people, like I know for myself in, in certain anxious situations, just focusing on the sport. Uh, I know many of us may be able to relate to that is, is sometimes really, really therapeutic and, and makes it a little more comfortable for people. Um, today, did you have something that, that you wanted to add to that as well? 
Uh, about the making people feel welcome and everything. So with yeah. me, I had a lot of my volunteers work like high school or just like at a high school. So they were younger. And a lot of the people that I had come in for the program were around the same age. So like right off the bat, there's like connections being built and everything. And if there was a language barrier, um, a lot of the students that I did have there, they knew English and a different language. So like they're able to translate everything like really well for each other and everything. And like everybody was communicating like after some people realized they were from the same country, they knew how to speak the same language and everything. They're like, oh my goodness, that's so cool and everything. So yeah. Yeah, I, I've volunteered at a few camps when I was uh, in, in Moncton, and that was something we found all the time as well with immigrant communities, because it's a, a bilingual city. For a lot of Francophone immigrants, it was really comfortable because a lot of us were able to speak French with them. And even, even if it was broken French, sometimes different to the dialect, it was able to kind of ground them a little bit in that, in that space and in that area. Um, you know, I had a conversation at the uh, Business of Curling Symposium in Sackville the other day, with folks who are asking questions about how to include younger people, you know, in, in their curling community and their curling club more than they, they have, um, you know, and one of my points to them was, well, go talk to them, right? Put yourself out of your comfort zone and go and talk to them and ask them the question of, you know, why haven't you tried curling or why isn't curling something that you've thought of and listen to the answer. And if it means including other younger people in, in programs like yours, or if it means, maybe thinking about how we can make curling clubs more welcoming spaces to younger people. Those are all, all super important pieces of that. Um, Kamran and Luke, you both mentioned different pieces that I think were really, really interesting. Um, you know, who, was there someone that pushed you guys to apply for the All Heart Curling Award a little, someone who encouraged you a little more? Um, Luke, you know, it, it sounded like your grandmother was pretty key to your plan. I don't know if she maybe inspired you a little to do that or, or do you want to talk to that a little? Uh, yeah, she definitely had a role in it. Maybe not like physically, but it was more of a mentally thing. Mm -hmm. Like, like, like what I mentioned earlier, I was at my junior provincials when the war started and they were there out in Brandon, which is about two and a half hours away. They drove the whole two and a half hours to come watch me play. And after my first game, was when I found out and seeing the look on her face, seeing the look on my mom's face, seeing just anybody in my family. Like there was like a big feeling of fear and yeah, it was all fear pretty much actually. But when I began to apply for the award, I kind of had that picture in the back of my head knowing that this is how others are being affected and I want to try to create something that'll sort of, I don't even know how to describe it. Bring up, bring a positive, uh, bring a positive wave into their life after dealing with something so brutal. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, that's a strong message is sometimes sports and, and, and community in that sense, particularly one like curling can be something that brings a little bit of that warmth, a little bit of that kind of familial sense when when we might not have it as much, particularly, you know, I can't even imagine the fear that, that your family or that those you know would have felt like that. But in that time, that's a time where you want to come together and maybe do something that that takes some focus off of, of that bad and of that negativity and, and that negative situation, um, even if it's for a little bit. 
right? Even if it's for a little period. So, so that's, that's really, that's really powerful. Thank you for that. It's um, kind of like the idea of uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Totally. Abs absolutely. I think, I think that's a great way of putting it. Um, Sate, was there someone in your family that drove you to apply for the award? Um, well, my mom. So like she, she's like always told me to like when there's opportunities you should take it kind of thing because like I am a very like I get very nervous trying new things and stuff so like she kind of pushed me out there to try try new things and everything and you know you, you don't know what opportunities can be given and you can't just like get let it go for waste and everything and so like I'm also adopted so I feel like for me I just take whatever opportunity that I am given because like I never want to take anything for granted and stuff because like some people aren't given these opportunities and that I have. So I feel like I should like go ahead and just kind of go for it sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you only live once <laughs> it's, it's, it's that kind of mentality. And I think, you know, I've, I found that a little bit as well, obviously not in the same, same way as, as you came to that, but you know, in, in trying to take every opportunity you can, whether it's in, in school or in curling or, you know, I think what something that helps with that is taking a moment to step back and, and see where you've been and look and see where you are and just stop and feel that moment. I, I think I had uh, a moment where, you know, I was curling at U18 nationals for the first time. And for me, it was one of those, like, I don't care if this is the first time or the last time, but my province's emblem is on my back and that's enough for me. Like, I don't, I don't care if I get back here, but it was one of those moments where I kind of pulled myself back and went, wow, like, this is, this is where I've been, you know, in my life. And, and this is where I am. Um, and, and it's a similar thing in this program as well. And trying to have this kind of impact in our communities is, you know, going from maybe having an internal belief of, of I don't know how much of a difference I can make, right. Or, uh, you know, how, how can I kind of change, change the face of curling as it was, um, but little by little, we come to understand that, you know, you actually do have a lot of power and a lot of opportunity if you take it and, and you go for it and try and spread a bit of that opportunity with others. And, I, and you've all done that, which is, which is amazing. Um, Cameron, is there something that someone that, that drove you in, in, in applying as well? Or Yeah, I think my, my mom's program for uh, racialized youth really inspired me to to apply for the All Heart Award and propose a program for racialized adults, just seeing the impact that that she made in in the curling community and being a part of that as an instructor inspired me to to create my own change for a similar but different demographic. Yeah, for sure. Then thank you for that, because I could hear through through that conversation there were bits of, of someone helped you with this kind of you know, it's always interesting to know what kind of pushes people or what the support was in the background to help you do it. And, and I know a lot of people who may think of applying for it or who are looking to make similar impacts in their curling club or their community may, you know, want to put a little thought into, you know, who is your rock and in, in trying to um, maybe make a change or make a difference in, in whatever way you can. Um, so, so was there something specific, maybe a a moment or an experience or, or something like that, that inspired you to go ahead and, and apply, you know, Sate, was there, was there a moment that really you said, this is, I, I need to do this? 
Yeah. So basically, um, at my curling club, like in like all of Newfoundland, I'm, I'm the only black person that curls and stuff. And like everyone at my schools knows that and stuff. And like, so I thought it'd be like a great idea just to let people like also try the sport as well. Because a lot of people just assume, oh, like Tatey just plays it just because they don't realize how fun it actually is and stuff. And it's just kind of, just always being the only black person for me was just like, okay, you know what? I just kind of want someone else there, just not being by myself all the time, you know, like that kind of feeling. So just having some more, like more diversity kind of, it's just like, I think that it just makes me for, feel more comfortable kind of sometimes. Yeah, for, for sure. And, 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 and thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I, I'm just, were there times curling like you've competed at a, at a national level you've competed at a high level in Newfoundland Labrador for a while um you know a lot of people are, are coming to know you more as, as you get older in, in the game do you still do you feel lonely sometimes when you're in those when you're at a tournament or when you're in a club and you go I am the only one like me who's here it does does that feel lonely sometimes like it's like no one it's not like anyone does anything wrong it's just like a feeling it's like it's just me like yeah. if there's some other kid out there that sees me, it's just like they're they're only gonna see me. Because mm -hmm. like obviously when like you see everyone else, it's just like everyone else just they're all just white. There's like and then you just see me, I just stand out so much and I just feel like sometimes like sometimes you wish you just you're kind of just like everyone else kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Because I also play soccer as well. And like in soccer, it was like usually me and this other girl that like just both of us were always together all the time. So it's just like in curling, it was just me all the time. And it just kind of feels, it's not like a lonely, it's like a little bit kind of lonely feeling, but like sometimes I'm good with it. Sometimes I'm not, I'm not kind of thing. But like right now I'm kind of just getting used to it kind of thing now. So, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and thank you for that. I, I, I think sometimes as well, it's important to recognize that, you know, you feel in that moment and you're making a change to make sure that others don't. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I, I was with uh, Carly Smith in, in Sackville at the symposium the other day, and she was speaking to, to curling with, with one arm. And some of, the, some of the views that she had felt with that and, and prejudice that she had faced with that as well. But her point was, you know, she did that for so long. And then she got a little bit of attention for it when she went to nationals and, and was obviously the first amputee to play in able body curling. And fantastic achievement, the first, but not the last. And she spoke to a young boy in Newfoundland who had seen her curl. And he has the one hand, as I understand it. And yeah, it, it, and he said, well, I can do that too. You know, here's, here's this girl who I've, I don't know who she is. I don't know what she's doing. Um, but I can see her doing something I didn't think I could. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that power is something that like, I had no idea I had. I like sometimes I'm sure some of you have felt this as well, where it's like, oh, maybe I did inspire someone to come with me and to be that other person, whether it's for you or for someone else down the line. I think that that's, you know, uh, a perspective that we, that we sometimes, sometimes miss, but also need to create more of. And so, yeah. so thank you for, for working towards that. Um, Cameron, was there a moment that, inspired you or something that inspired you to apply i don't think i'd be able to limit it to a single 
point, I think my drive to apply stemmed from multiple factors that occurred over longer periods of time, namely uh, my experience throughout my entire junior curling career as one of the only racialized individuals competing in Ontario. Uh, my experience as one of the only racialized people uh, that I've um, seen in, in curling clubs uh, across the province. And then uh, just the uh, insight that there were parents uh, in the curling program for racialized youth who were interested in trying out the sport and just the, the general lack of diversity in, in curling all sort of compounded and drove me to apply. Yeah, and, and thank you for that. And those are important lessons for us to, to take into account, right? Is, is what's driven all of us to do this program and to apply for this award is some of the reasons why you know, we're trying to make this change and we're trying to make curling a more inclusive and more diverse place. And, and at the end of the day, that's part of the kind of importance of what we're getting to. And um, did, did your curling clubs support you uh, in executing your plan? Um, Luke, was, was your club supportive of you in, in, in doing your plan for All Heart? Very. Very, it's, I have a very close connection with my curling club. I've been, I've been there my whole life, like ever since before I even started curling when I think I started when I was seven, around, I think I was seven when I started, but um, no, I used to come to the curling club every single time when my mom would curl on Monday nights, I'd be there when I was like three, four, five years old. And what is it? Just being there, getting to know, like there's some people that are still there now that were there when I was really young. So having like that very long lasting connection with um a lot of people at my curling club was something that um showed how supportive they really were especially with like with my mom being on the board at the curling club everything like that it was just them being there and saying like we have your support this is what you're doing is really awesome just go and do the best thing that you do the best that you can do sort of thing yeah, for, for sure. For sure. So did, was there, was your curling club supportive of you in, in your plan? Yeah, my curling club was very supportive. Uh, I'm very close with like, everyone in the curling club. Um, so like I was adopted when I was like around three and I started curling when I was around five. And so like when I was like five, I was always, I was always at the curling club. Like both my parents would curl and stuff. So like I would go down and watch my dad's games and stuff and my mom's games and so, like, everyone knows who they were and stuff. And so, like, everyone knew who I was. So when everyone found it, like, I got the award and everything, like, everyone came up to me, told me congratulations. And I had people volunteering to, like, help out before I even asked anyone yet. And, like, everyone was just very supportive throughout the whole thing. So, yeah. No, that's that's great to hear. And, and, and Calm, what about for you? Yeah, I think I have some more thoughts to... Uh, what was previously mentioned that curling club was, was definitely supportive, especially the the, the upper management, like the people in charge were were supportive of my program. I I wouldn't say that every single member at the Cataract Golf and Country Club was in full support of the program. I think there were there was probably a small minority that uh, wasn't thrilled with the the concept of the program or didn't feel that it was necessary or felt that it was 
not needed or discriminatory towards other uh, folks. Uh, but I think the majority uh, was supportive of the program and the majority um, received it well. So if, if you don't mind, can I just ask the, the question of, you know, why, why people may have felt it was unnecessary? I know you, you said it was a minority, but you know, these are some of the, you know, groups we're trying to speak to about the importance of, of diversity and inclusion. Was there, was there a reason they felt it was unnecessary, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, I, I didn't engage in, in a lot of conversations with with people who weren't thrilled with the program, but I think one of the uh, common thought processes that there already are existing learn to curl programs, there's already junior curling programs. Why do you need a separate special program for racialized individuals? Can't they just join the existing programs? Which at face value or surface value seems like a valid question, a valid concern, right? Like you already have these programs why do you need additional funding and separate special attention for these racialized individuals? Uh, but I think these questions showcase a lack of, of a deeper understanding of, of the issues at play in curling clubs and that uh, people don't understand the reasons why curling facilities are, are not inclusive spaces for racialized individuals. Uh, so they don't see the need for a separate program to invite racialized individuals and make them feel welcome in the sport. Yeah, and, and thank you for, for sharing a bit of that. And, and I can appreciate that always makes things a little more difficult when we're trying to do these programs. If there's, you know, not full buy-in from the club or from, from the curling community in our area, I think, you know, as you, as you spoke to just now, you know, sometimes it's very easy to miss to miss the point in the case of, well, you know, why do we need a, a special program? And then you go, well, we've had those learn to curl programs and we've had newcomer leagues and we've had beginners leagues for how long? Um, have you seen anything change? I don't know, probably not, <laughs> you know, and, and trying to think a little bit, like sometimes it's just the perspective of, of some folks when they think through that as well, that it, that's e it's easy to miss that. And it's sad that, that that's the case for some of those people. And I, I appreciate that you, you spoke to that. Um, we wouldn't need a curling for change podcast if curling didn't need to change a little, right? Or if our curling clubs, which many of whom are struggling financially, many of whom are struggling with members, maybe didn't need to think outside of the box in that way and trying to welcome newcomers and trying to welcome racialized communities and trying to welcome indigenous communities and trying to welcome, for example, in Luke's instance, Ukrainian communities. Like if we don't do that work, people in those communities will not come and they will not feel welcome and they will not be a part of this curling community that, that we all feel so strongly about. And so sometimes kind of thinking through that logic is, is super, uh, super important. So I appreciate you articulating that. Um, I think that that leads well into, you know, did you feel, you, was, was your plan successful in the end? Um, Kamran, I know you had had some, some media attention for your, for your plan, um, which was super great to see. Uh, 
was did you feel your, your program was successful? Do you want to speak to a bit of the, the success of that? Yeah, so I before I launched the program, I defined multiple performance or success indicators, and I grouped those into three main chunks. The first one uh, and most important one being did the racialized individuals who I was inviting to curl, did they feel welcome? Did they feel um, like they had a good time curling? Did they enjoy the experience? Would they come back? That was my first key success indicator that I was assessing. The second one was um, more focused on a, a club or facility level in that how was the, the program received by the curling facility? Did uh, management and did members at the curling facility um, see the need for the program? Did they appreciate and support the program um, and want to see it again in the future? That was my second performance indicator. And then my third one was more of on a, a larger scale. Um, and that was really to spread awareness about uh, the need for diverse, diversity inclusion in curling and showcase a model for how uh, that could be done in curling clubs across the country and around the world. And I think if I were to look at my program through those three lenses, I would call it a, a success in that the, the participants enjoyed themselves. Um, a lot of them said that they never would have been in a curling facility without a program like this. And a lot of them, I can definitely see curling again in the future with their friends and family. At a club level, I think this program sparked a lot of important conversations with people, um, spread awareness about the need for diversity, inclusion, curling, and, and um, spark conversations about how the club can evolve and adapt and uh, modify some of its existing practices and, and values to make it more inclusive. And then on a larger scale, on a more national uh, level, I think uh, I, I was fortunate to, to be interviewed by TSN. They came and filmed a, a feature of the program, received uh, some local media attention as well. And I think all of that served to spread awareness about the, the importance of the program and showcased how other communities across the country can, can incorporate a, a similar program. Yeah, for sure. And, and what I really love about that is that, you know, with those performance and measurements and, and those success indicators for you, it wasn't about did 30 people show up? It wasn't about did we get 100 new members? It was about how did they feel? Were they welcomed? You know, did, do they have a reason to come back? Do they feel comfortable coming back? Right? And like, that's huge. And even just that mindset shift, right? And, and, and that understanding is something that a lot of people may not think about. Like a lot of people may view that success as, as again, as how many people showed up or whether or not, you know, they became members or whatever the case may be. That's not the point, right? That might be the end result eventually. As you said, they might come back and curl. They might come and join the club. They might join a beginner's league. That's fantastic. But it starts with welcoming them into the space. Right. And making sure that those performance indicators you said are set and are met before you go towards how can we more 
empathetically? How can we more uh, understandingly integrate these folks into our community? How can we more, how can we better include them, rather is a better term, in our community further to that? Um, and I, I, I think that's a fantastic way to measure measure that success. Um, so Ted, how did you feel your, your program went? Uh, I think it was very su successful. So uh, after it was actually over and I, we went back to school and everything, um, a lot of the kids that did do it, like were talking about it for like that whole week and they're talking about how like it was really well done. And I had like one of the ESL teachers come down to also like help out with like some of the students that were there. And she said like there, she was telling me like everyone had a really good time and everything. And like everyone would not stop talking about it. it was They said they had a good time. Like I had like, I had about like 19 people show up and I made sure to have like everyone would at least have someone to talk to because like I want to make sure like everyone's talking to somebody and like no one's left out. And we also had games there. So everyone was playing games with each other as well. So, and then after we had like about 13 people say they were going to do the eight week learn to curl program. And then since now like the curling season's over, I had like a bunch of emails come back to me saying, oh, when, when does curling start up again? Please let me know. I'm like interested in everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and 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 wow, and for anybody you know in 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 business or finance or on the curling management side, thirteen out of eighteen is pretty good <laughs> for for having people come back or or you know be be keenly interested in coming back. Especially, they're mostly younger people, were they? Uh, they're like high school. Yeah, like anybody right now is sitting at home going, "How can we include younger people in our club?" Well, here's a model of success for that, right? Of having younger people in those communities lead the way. Because you under you you know your friends, you know your school, you know what moves them. And anybody who's been in school or high school anytime recently and curled at the time, well and truly will tell you how many jokes are made about curlers in school. Um, you know, I, I've heard many a time in high school, curling's not a real sport. And then eventually I told this story the other day, I took a bunch of, we had an advanced gym class in high school and it was all the football boys. We had um, a now Olympian speed skater um, and a world championship uh, women's ringette player in our, in our crew. It was a really successful gym class. I don't know what we were all drinking in the water or something, but uh, you know, and I, I said, okay, let's go curl. Let's try this. Um, and I never heard a joke about it ever again. <laughs> um, so, you know, that, that's, that's something I think a lot of people, a lot of people can relate to in that way, but it's great to hear that that was successful. Do you think you'll, do you think you'll do it again? Yeah, definitely. Probably. I feel like I would because like everyone sounds like everyone enjoyed it and everyone had a good time. Definitely. I would definitely do it again. Oh, fantastic. So Luke, how did you feel about your program? Um, uh -huh. Very, very, very proud of it. I can attest to sort of what you said earlier about with uh, Carmen is that it's not about like the numbers. It's about creating a welcoming environment sort of thing. And when when we were setting up the curling club on the day of uh, the first session, uh, my dad had these little like uh, all like the logos of all like local companies that like had some brought food or like my school division that um supplied the school bus that would help transport all these newcomers to my curling club. And in the middle, it was a big like three by three of all these pictures and signs with like Canadian Ukrainian flags and all that. 
And in the middle of it was a sign that said, Mi vitaimo vas, which means we welcome you in uh, English. Or I mean, in Ukraine, sorry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was sort of the first indicator of sort of seeing all everybody kind of walking in, looking a little confused and all that. And just seeing myself and I got a bunch of other uh, junior curlers within Manitoba to come out and help uh, with the program. Just seeing everybody, everybody that was helping out, have a smile on their face, being like, okay, yeah, this is what you need. This is a slider. This is a broom. It's going to go on your foot, whatever. And then as we got closer to getting onto the ice, we could see that it was more, the level of nervousness was kind of going like this of excitement was going like that and just seeing that and well as such as as much of a positive feedback that we got from a bunch of other people like I was at the uh this was on the one year anniversary of uh of uh fighting uh I was at the Canadian Museum for Human Rights and if you're ever in Manitoba great museum I 100% recommend going to it but I actually saw one of uh, the participants from one of the sessions at the museum and he was like oh yeah we want to try it again we want to try it again I was like perfect come to the next session and but just knowing that even like like two three weeks down the road I could recognize somebody that I helped create a positive impact on their life seeing that they wanted to come back and try curling again was one of the, definitely one of the key indicators that this program was very successful no that's 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 huge that's huge and i think you know what i what i heard there that i want to latch onto a little is you know do you do you feel your you mentioned your friends helped you you mentioned other people in in the manitoba curling community helped you did you feel in in welcoming you know those those ukrainians who had been through so much and and ukrainian canadians who had been through so much and welcoming them into your into your club into your program do you felt feel like that brought your curling club or your curling community together while you were doing that as well? Definitely. There was definitely sort of a sense of unity because a bunch of these other curlers that were helping out, like I said, Manitoba, large Ukrainian Canadian population, a few, a good amount of them were also Ukrainian. So they sort of had that feeling deep down that I had as well when we were getting this together and sort of bringing it together and sort of that sense of pride and, um, yeah, pride and I don't know what the other word would be to describe it. But that sense of pride that you see in the community was something that helped us bring us closer together and was definitely uh, helped us not only be the best people that we can be uh, both on and off the ice, but to also uh, uh, be good role models for everybody else that was uh, at these sessions. No, for sure. That, that that's that's fantastic. Thank you for for sharing that. Sate, did you feel a similar sense that your 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 program and and people helping and you know the folks who helped you make it happen? Did you feel like that brought your curling club or your curling community together a little more? Uh, yes, definitely. So it was just like I felt like it was like we're doing it as like a curling kind of family kind of thing because like the people I had volunteering, like I'm pretty close with them in general, and also my curling team was there helping me out. So just I help kind of bring everyone together as like one and like 
before everything happened, like we were all talking about how it was going to go down. Like everyone was just so positive and excited for everything to see how everything like went out and everything. And one of my favorite, probably one of my favorite things was probably uh, after we, like when we started doing the actual eight week program thing, um, there's this family, like one, this family came in and did it. And it was like all the siblings and everything. And a few of the people that were there volunteering and helping me out when we actually did like the, the curling for everyone that day, um, they went out on the ice and stayed extra time with them while everyone else was going back home and getting ready to leave. They stayed extra uh, like hour or something, just stayed on the ice with them and like helped them learn stuff. That's probably one of my favorite things to see. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and Cameron, how did you did you feel like it brought your curling club together a little bit more, even though there might have been some voices who didn't quite didn't quite understand or maybe were skeptical? Did, did you feel it maybe brought your curling community together a little more? Yeah, I think uh, the program definitely sparked a lot of, of conversations and a lot of uh, individuals were uh, in support of, of what we were trying to do. But I think the most important community that was was created or or enriched by the program was the actual participants themselves and that a lot of friendships and bonds were were sparked between people uh between the racialized adults who were trying the program and i think uh, like for example one of one of the individuals uh got a, a job from one of the the other people in the program and uh new friendships were made um and i i think that was the most impar- important community that was fostered by the program oh that's that's fantastic um so we, we already touched a bit upon upon the impact of your programs and those answers so i i just want to focus the question a bit on was there a moment in your program or a moment you had with someone in your program that may have sparked for you an understanding of of what your what your program's impact was on the people involved you know did you did you share a moment with someone or did you see something happen that you really sat there and went yeah that's because of that's part of this program or that's the impact that i thought happened or maybe kind of gave that realization to you um luke did did you have a moment like that where you said like wow this is this is what this program did for people yeah it was sort of the kind of way I want to put it it was like it was like two moments at different times put into one it was the first being when everybody stepped off the bus um and the time when everybody was getting on the bus to leave there was that seeing everybody coming off at a curling club where they've never been before they seen some kid holding a door open for them with a smile on his face and everybody's looking all skeptical. And we obviously we do the session, all that leaving. They're all smiling. They're happy. In Ukrainian, they're, they're got smiles on their face. They're shaking my hand. It was just seeing how much I've brightened up their day and I've sort of, helped create a better and a welcoming experience in Canada 
was something that really sunk in with me and was like, wow, I, I was, I really just did that. That was incredible. No, for sure. And and I think the one thing to to remember is, is that it is incredible, right? Is that it, it that is the impact you're having in, in, in doing that. Um, Sate, was there a moment for you that made you think like, wow, this is, this is more powerful than I thought it may have been or? Um, so for me, you probably be, uh, a lot of my friends that had go there from my school, like were black. And so at first they're like, first they said they would go to support me kind of thing. And then after they did it, they were just completely shocked about like how like they didn't realize how hard the sport was actually was. And then after they said like they had a really good time because before they would be making fun of me in school and stuff. But then now they're just, they haven't said anything about it since. And I think they gained some respect for the sport and stuff as well. But probably one of my favorite memories would probably be, there's this girl, like one of the girls in my school, she's like kind of quiet, but when she got to the curling club and everything, and she understood how like this sport went, like how, how you play the sport and everything, she really got comfortable. And then she started talking to everybody she was like yelling hard and all that stuff. She was having a really good time and everything. And just seeing like, like she's loosening up, being comfortable. You could clearly see that. And it was just nice to see. No, uh, that, that, that's, that's powerful. It's kind of funny. Sometimes I found that a similar experience to you a couple of times. Like it, again, like I tried it in my high school, we did rocks and rings one time um, with a bunch of like 16, 17 year olds, which was kind of hilarious. Um and it was yell, yelling hard that oddly brought everybody's walls down. <laughs> it, it was one of those moments where kind of everyone was kind of like, oh, this is, this is curling. I guess this is what this is. And Chris Rocks and Rings is different than bringing them to your club. But, you know, once they got into it at that point, then people's kind of walls came down and they went, geez, I might try this again. Or, you know, that was kind of fun. I kind of enjoyed that. Um, Someone, someone might do a scientific study on that. I, I hope someone does because it, it's, it's happened for a very long time. But thank you for sharing that. That, that was great. Um, Cameron, was there something for you that, that made you see that impact a little more clearly or, or kind of communicated that to you? Yeah, one moment really stands out to me. And uh, that was after the first section, the first session, actually, actually when... Um, so after each on-ice session, we had an off-ice component uh, where uh, we had food available, wow. like light refreshments for the curlers, and they had an opportunity to uh, get to know each other a little better. And after the first session, uh, they got off the ice, and we had some really great conversations. And I wrote these quotes down because uh, I thought they were very impactful. Um, one of them said, I would have never been in a country club if it weren't for this program. I would never have tried curling if this program didn't exist. And I thought that curling was a sport for just affluent people. And those quotes and, and those conversations really um, showcased the the impact that, that this program was making. And those sentiments kind of um, were consistent throughout the participants and throughout each session and um, kind of showed the need and importance for this program. Yeah, and maybe broke some some perceptions and assumptions as well in, in their understanding of, of the curling community, but maybe just your club and, and your local curling community as well, which is important because in trying to 
you know, think about how we can welcome other communities and, and other people in, in diverse communities in particular into our clubs, but what are the barriers to entry for folks to come into your building and to come participate in your leagues? And it may very well be a perception or assumption that could be, could be true, could not be. Maybe you have to have a conversation about what that perception is and why. Um, and that might help people understand a little bit more of, of why perhaps you're not reaching a certain group and trying to have them come and be a part of your curling club or your curling community. Um, so, so thank you for that. Um, you know, so, so having completed your plans, all of you have done so immensely successfully. This is super interesting for me to listen to and, and, and empowering to listen to. Um, what were some lessons that you learned in, in doing this? In, in, in enacting your plan. Um, stay, I saw you smile there for a second. I'm gonna go to you. What was what was a lesson that you learned from, from your plan? Uh, probably like not to be afraid to reach out because I feel like that's something that everyone's like, a lot of people are afraid to do is like reach out because they're afraid of hearing the answer no. And like, for me, that was what I was afraid of hearing answer no and stuff. But like, and like, since I'm, I'm kind of a shy person when it comes to trying like new things and stuff. So like I really had to push myself really hard to go out there to these organizations and let them know what I'm trying to do. And like after I did it, like I, I felt good that I did it and everything. And it was just like my it's like, OK, like what you need to do is actually just go out there and just do it and just talk about it and not just be like, I don't want to do it. I'm too nervous kind of thing. You just got to go out there and do it. Just go out there and do it. I think that's something we can all learn from a bit more and that everybody everybody can think of and everybody can say, but there's always a moment that pushes you to go like, oh no, I, I just need to seize this moment. I just need to go and, and, and do it. Um, Calm, was there, was there something for you that you learned and, and took away from this? I think that the biggest takeaway is that for me was that although um, increasing diversity inclusion and, and curling can seem like a daunting task, a large problem. Um, really, I think all of our programs go to show that uh, change is possible and that it's not overly complex and you don't need highly sophisticated and, and crazy funds to, to increase diversity inclusion and curling. It really just takes individuals who are passionate about about the cause um, and you will see results with just a little bit of, of effort. I, uh, I went to a summer camp for a long time and um, they always had, you know, empowering slogans on the back of their shirts. And one of them was, you know, all you need is a little bit of, for all you need for triumph is a little bit of try and a little bit of oomph. Right. And that's one of those things with that passion and with that drive, you can, you can do that and you can achieve success and you can make an impact in your community. Um, and it's about making sure you have the, the systems and the people around you to enable that, right? We talk about that in life all the time about if you wanna do well, if you want to, whether it's in school or in work or whatever, you know, you need to have your support network around you that's best for you. And that includes making a difference in your community in that way or, or in volunteerism or, or in this, this plan. So thank you. Um, Luke. What did, what did you take away from all of this? I think the biggest thing was sort of this little quote I was thinking about right before uh, um, we started this podcast was the smallest things make the biggest differences. And knowing that creating this program 
I didn't think I was going to have a hundred RSVPs within 24 hours of putting the form up. I didn't think that we were going to introduce 60 uh, newcomers to Canada to the sport. And I didn't think that, uh, I didn't think it was going to be as successful as I thought it was going to be. And knowing that I had the support from those around me and all that was something that really gave me motivation just to, I don't know how to describe it. Uh, did it give I you motive? Did it did it give you the motivation to do it, it again or to do more? It definitely gave me the motivation to become even more involved in the Ukrainian community, especially in Manitoba. Uh, as much as I possibly can, obviously it's busy at sometimes with school work and all that, and my other competitive curling. But just whether it be helping out a family that's just moved in somewhere or something like that, or just really anything, like it'll go a long way. And I'm sure it can be seen with the program is that like, although it was only a two hour session on a Sunday afternoon, that might impact somebody's life for years. Like there's something I talked to my Canadian history class last year. It was like indirect consequences. It's like some uh somebody scores a goal in hockey like a big goal it inspires somebody to become a professional hockey player so maybe what we what anybody has done especially with the all heart was created like that reaction that will raise a future champion in curling yeah for sure and i think that's a really a really powerful thought is to think about you know not only how meaningful your programs are in your own communities and, and with the people that that you know personally, but with others who may see what you've done and see yeah. the success you've you've attained and you've achieved and, and think for a second, well, maybe I could do that too. Um, thank you for that. So going forward, you know, what do you, you know, there's a lot going on. There's, we're having symposiums across the country to talk about the future of curling. Um, you know, there's some people who are out there in the social media ether who are talking about, we need to change this and do that. And maybe we could do this program, or maybe we could shorten curling this way, or maybe we could do curling in whatever Edmonton mall. Or, like, there's been tons of ideas of how we could change curling, but you know, what ideas did you guys have that came forward that you think really, you know, need to be done to improve inclusivity in curling? Um, I'm going to start with, with Kamran. Yeah, I think in, in your question, you, you mentioned a lot of ideas that have been proposed and, and discussed at all these conferences and, and symposiums. And I think these conversations are important. But what I would say is that I would encourage everyone to critically reflect upon their own personal attitudes and beliefs, because I think at the end of the day, all of this, this change really starts at an individual level. And without each one of us, including myself, reflecting on on our attitudes, beliefs, beliefs, and biases, I I don't see any of um I don't see progress without change at the individual level. Yeah, for sure. I think that's that's really important to consider that self reflection and you know asking yourself some of the tough questions, right? And and a do you have an answer for it? And if you don't. Well, who do you want to, who do, who do you need to talk to? And even if you think you have the answer, 
Have you talked to someone in that community? Have you talked to someone who might be impacted by your decision making? Right. If you're trying to include younger people in your curling club, have you spoken to a younger person recently about what might bring their friends into the club? Right. About racialized people or, or particularly newcomers. Have you spoken to them recently to ask them what may be more welcoming and inclusive to bringing them into your curling club? That's a start. And acknowledging, I think that was really important that you mentioned this comp, acknowledging your biases and where you're starting is huge because you can't have a conversation with someone until you're at that same level of here are my biases on the table. I'm going to lay them out, acknowledge them, act like I've acknowledged them <laughs> and bring myself to a point where I'm going to have this conversation with you and take something away from it to, to help my understanding and where I'm coming from. So thank, thank you for kind of touching upon that, Gong. Um, Sate, what, what, do you, what do you think people can do? What do you, what do you think needs to change? Um, I think, uh, I feel like, for, I know for like Newfoundland, it could be different in other provinces and stuff, but like in Newfoundland, I feel like growing clubs needs to be more, um, to just reach out more and stuff because like my growing club is like in the center of the city and like people can only walk there because it's so close to them. And a lot of the people that I had at the program, they didn't even know that that was a curling club and it was like two seconds away from their house. So I feel like the curling club could just like reach out and just like, just, um, I don't know what the word, but like just reach out and just like, just put themselves out there to show other people that like we are welcoming. Because if, if there's someone's house, the, like the people that had come over for the program stuff, if they didn't, like, they didn't know nothing about the curling and stuff, and it was right next door to their house. And, like, I feel like the curling community can just do more to reach out and say, oh, we are here, we are welcoming you kind of thing, instead of just being to themselves kind of thing. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I, I think that's one thing as well, like, all curling clubs can learn from is they're all at the center of communities or neighborhoods or areas. Well, have you thought about including your your neighborhood or your community or the people around you <laughs> have you have you spoken to them you know um luke what do you what do you what do you think needs to change or what can be done um i think what i'll base my answer off was very similar to what satay said and it's that it's getting the word out like for my program all our advertising for it was done on social media and i feel like social media is something that a lot of curling clubs aren't uh, taking advantage of it's a it's obviously has negative impacts but for situations like these it can really create positive impacts like such as let's say registration night for your men's leagues or your women's leagues anything like that it's all about getting the word out so people and people are always like oh when can I join stuff like that they send an email in like May or June the curling club isn't going to remember exactly about that email that was sent four months ago. And it's all about, I think the biggest thing is if curling clubs were able to get the word out, especially to other groups about when you can learn to curl, when you can join a league, stuff like that. I think that would really not only help benefit the curling club, but it would also help grow the sport to a larger demographic. For sure. Absolutely. And, and there's been a lot of discussion about how we could better utilize social media and online platforms to try and improve, improve curling in, in a healthy way as well, right? In, in trying to make sure that our interactions with it are, are healthy as well. So thank you for speaking to that. Um, you know, what advice do you all have for young people who might look to do 
some of the work you've done, you know, to have the same impact. Do you have a piece of advice that you that you want to give them, um, Kamran? I think that the largest piece of advice that I would give someone who's about to embark on a similar journey or, or is looking to embark on a similar journey is to, number one, genuinely believe in, in what you do and, and the cause and your mission, because if you do that, then everything else will become easy for you. Um, and the second piece of advice is just to, to be brave and believe in yourself because um, when you're uh, engaging in social change, uh, we've seen throughout history that there's always going to be people in support and people who may not be supportive of your of your social movement. And I think that it's important to be ready for that and to to be brave and persevere through um, potentially challenging situations. A powerful message for sure, for sure, for sure. Sate, what is your message to, to someone who may be looking to do the same that you've done? Uh, probably uh, just not be afraid to reach out again uh, and not be afraid of the answer. And, like some Someone's going to say no, some people are going to say yes. And just don't take the no as like, oh my goodness, no one's going to want to do it anymore. Like, you know what? That one person said no and all these people said yes. So look at the positive side as well. And also just sometimes it can it can be overwhelming because you know what I had I was a bit overwhelmed at first because I was a bit like oh my goodness but then after like I had like a lot of people help me out and a lot of volunteers and my mom dad were there help me out so just surround yourself with people that are supporting you as well and Luke what's your what's your message to young people looking to do the same oh never give up it's these what's the taste that is that I myself as well was overwhelmed trying to figure this out, getting all this fine details together, who's got to be where, when, what are they doing, all that type of stuff. It's going to seem like a lot, but the end result that you will get, you will be so happy that you had to go through whatever you had to go through to create that positive impact on someone else's life. And to be honest, I think if I was thinking of doing this, this program, and I ended up backing out, that I would feel that sort of feeling of regret that why didn't I do this? Why did I back out last second? So for those that are thinking of doing something like this, 100% go for it. Don't give up on whatever you're aspiring to do. And the results will pay off in the end. Yeah, that, that, that message of never give up. You know, we, we all have our own trials and tribulations and, and struggles in life, and we're all going through different things at different times and, and remembering that if you persevere, if you push through that, good things will come to you. Um, you know, you may not see it right now, but you are strong enough to face it all, no matter what it is, right? And, and to get to the other side and, and find that positive at the end of it all. Um, thank you for that. So my very last question to all of you is... We are all recipients of the All Heart Curling World Curling Award this year. Um, it's currently, as I mentioned at the start, the application period is open. It's coming into its second year. More young people are going to get the same opportunity that we did to make an impact in their communities. Would you recommend that they take this opportunity, and why? Luke, did you want to start? 
Uh, well, first, I think it's obvious that all of us are going to recommend others to apply for the award. But the main reason, like you said, is why. And for me, it's like what I've mentioned probably a billion times in the last hour and a bit. But it's having that impact on somebody else. Like whether it's something as small as like saying hello and welcoming them, anything like that, all the way up until the point where you're like on the ice with them or something like that. Just be in there and knowing like, hey, you know what? Like this is something new to you. I'm going to try to teach it to you. I'm going to try to be like as best of a person as I can be. And it's that feeling deep down that gave myself, it gave me the motivation to create the best program I could and to be the best person I could be both on and off the ice. Fantastic. Thank you. Cameron. Yeah. Just to piggyback off of what Luke said, I think um, applying for the All Heart Award and and uh, enacting your proposed diversity and inclusion program plan uh, can really make a large impact on a lot of people's lives. And um, at first, these impacts may not be apparent. Maybe only one person or two people show up to your program, but maybe that one person ends up inviting 10 of their friends and launches their own program and spreads the word amongst their community. And all of a sudden you've, you've created massive change. Um, so I like to think about these programs as seeds and you never really know how the seed will, will, will grow and, and the extent to which your, your program can really make a large impact. And last, but certainly not least, Sate, what's your recommendation? Uh, I definitely recommend uh, people to obviously to uh, do apply for the All Heart uh, Curling Award um, because like it gives you the opportunity to make a change and also like get connected with your community and people outside of your community and bring them into your community kind of because I feel like every like curling in general is a community and family kind of thing in general so I feel like the All Heart Award helps you do that and make everyone connected and like all of that in general. So yeah. For sure. Well, thank you all for, for taking the time to talk with me uh, today. And thank you for all of the work that you've done as part of the All Heart Award. I'm sure I speak for everybody from, from the Curling Canada Foundation, but also from a personal perspective of being A, inspired, B, impressed, and C, thankful to have all of you in the curling community and making the impacts that you are in your area, in your curling clubs. Um, that is, it's, it's amazing and it's hard to describe, but it's unbelievably important. And I'm really glad that all of you have recognized that. Um, my very, very last quick fire question for everybody watching, just to make a point, how old are all of you? Sate, how old are you? 16. Kamran? 20. Luke? 18. I am turning 23. Folks, all of us young people have made the impacts in our communities that you've just heard and listened to. And so if you're sitting there thinking as Luke spoke to that it's too hard or that it's really difficult or that you don't think you can do it, I encourage you to listen to the words of, of the young people here with me and, and what you've just listened to in this podcast and take some inspiration from it. And I hope you do and go forward to make an impact in your own community and in your own curling club 
and hopefully you've learned something and taken away something from this conversation. This has been the first episode of the Curling for Change podcast brought to you again by Curling Canada and supported by the World Curling Federation. We'll be back again for another episode very soon, but until then, do take care and like these folks, please do keep on changing the face of curling.